Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Guys, we've got a few minutes here. I just want to open the scriptures to us. And this morning, um, if you want to turn to a passage in the scripture that I've... uh, I almost never refer to, I've almost never talked about. Um, I, uh, you've probably never even heard of this passage before. It's, it's, a, the, it's the middle of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. It's a story about this guy named the prodigal son. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I don't know if you've ever actually flipped there. We've never talked about this before, and I'm being sarcastic. I'm honestly, guys, I'm tempted every Sunday to preach on the prodigal son. I feel like so many of us, and I'm skipping over my notes here, but I feel like so many of us, we have this view of God that in our salvation, like, it happened in a courtroom. And our view of God is he's a judge, but he's not a loving one. He, he's, he's, he's loving to the extent that he would look on the righteousness of his son, but he's not loving to the, to the extent that he'd ever want us. And so we've got this view of God who's a judge, and then there's Jesus, and Jesus is a little nicer, but he had to die for us, so he might not like us that much. And then we've got an accuser, and and that's the devil, and the devil has a pitchfork and whatnot, and we've got these weird views of the devil, but he looks much better than we imagine. He comes with lies that would actually have us change our whole destinies to bite on his lies, and we've got this, this... view of our salvation as God's a judge, Jesus is a little bit nicer than him, the, the, the devil is our accuser, and a legal transaction happens when we put our faith in Jesus, when we pray the sinner's prayer, when we, what we, we do a transaction where Jesus gets our nastiness and all of our sin, and we get his righteousness, and that's where it stops. Now listen, there is a legal transaction that happens, and you actually become the righteousness of Jesus, so when the Father sees you, he only sees the righteousness of his Son. That does happen, but the context in which that happens is actually not a courtroom. We talk about it as a courtroom all the time. We talk about it as, yeah, there's nowhere did Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is like this. You're on trial. And in fact, the Bible actually says this. I'm obsessed obsessed with this passage. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. There's a father who lost his son. The kingdom, the context of, of our salvation is actually a prodigal road with a loving father that runs to us, not sits in judgment over us. And not all of you believe on this because it's really hard to imagine when you've grown up in places that try to scare you into obedience, that try, try to, to pummel you into obedience, that, that try to control you with so much shame, like, why aren't you? Jesus did so much for you, and the least that you can do is blah, 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 blah. And that's not, called, uh, that's not called freedom of Christ. That's called slavery and religion. And so the, the number one thing that happens in salvation is your heart is changed and wide awake to the love of the Father. And you begin to know that he, he wants to kiss you, not spank you. So... So uh, Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. I, I want to draw your uh, attention to this, that Jesus, in Luke 15, uh, verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, that's Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes, those are the religious leaders of the day, uh, they're grumbling. And it's interesting that the tax collectors and the sinners, they're not grumbling, it's the religious leaders of the day are grumbling. Hey, hey uh, leaders of providence, uh, mothers and fathers of this house, um, 
We're going, to, we're going to lead speaking about what God's doing, not what the world's not, amen? Uh, there won't be grumbling found here. And I think that I've preached a little bit too much grumbling, preached a little bit too much frustration. And I think in our 12th year, I, uh, I want more freedom. I, I believe that God is going to blow our minds this year. And uh, any grumbling is going to be far from my heart. How about yours, right? So... So here, tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus, and the religious leaders of the day didn't like that. Here's their complaint about what's happening. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, receiving sinners and eating with them is breaking the man-made pharisaical laws of the day. So the Pharisees and the scribes are complaining at Jesus that Jesus is breaking our own man-made laws. And so many times we look at our church rules, like you, you can't wear pants to church, and that sounded weird. You know what I mean about that? You can, you can wear pants. Uh, please do, actually. All right? Yeah, but hey, if you're a woman, you got to wear a skirt. Well, that's not in the Bible anywhere, okay? And we begin to make our own man-made rules biblical. And here Jesus is operating in his Father's heart. He says, you know, tax collectors, they're pretty bad. They're ripping you off for a living. I still love them. They're welcome to encounter me. You know, sinners that you would, you would rather see die than accept, I still love them. I welcome them into me, but the religious leaders of the day are complaining that this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So the prodigal son story is actually a response to the religious spirit that doesn't know the heart of the father. And so here we see Jesus tells a story about uh, a, a lost sheep and a lost coin, and then he talks about a lost son, which is one of the most glorious illustrations and pictures of the gospel that there is in the whole Bible. And you all know this, that there, was a law, there, was a, uh, there were two sons, an older son and a younger son. And back in the day, um, sons got all the inheritance of the father, but that didn't happen until the father passed away. And so this younger son gets it in his heart, though, that he's going to go to his father and demand his inheritance now. So basically what this young boy is doing is he's saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Your life really means nothing to me. What I want more than you is I want the funds that you can give. Can you give them? And the father is very interesting here. The father is not offended by this that we see in the text. The father answers the boy's request. He could harbor up bitterness, he could play the victim, he could go to his wife, he could, get, he could call his counselor and say, my son don't love me. He could operate and I'm a fail. What have I done to fail as a dad? Doesn't do that? Oh, you wanna play this game, son? You wanna wish I was dead? Okay, here's half a billion. Make merry. See how that treats you. See if what you really, see if the cry of your heart is really funds or the Father. You know, te test your wings out on that one. And so the son leaves with, I don't know, half a billion dollars, let's say maybe half a trillion. I, I don't know. It was a large sum of money. I, I hear that the Father owns all the cattle on all the hills, so I, I think it's a lot. And so... The son goes out and, and says that he, in, in a matter of moments, he squanders his father's wealth 
that was probably created over centuries. As you pass wealth from one generation to the next and guard it out of honor. And so this boy squanders it, and he doesn't squander it giving to the poor. He doesn't squander drilling clean water wells for people who don't have anything. He doesn't squander it giving, to, giving it to love lives, all right? He doesn't do that. He squanders it um, not building churches, but he hires prostitutes and he throws parties and he squanders it in the wildest, weirdest, most depraved, uh, pornographic living he could. And then it takes him nowhere. Well, it does take him somewhere, and this, his somewhere happens to be nowhere. These are Jewish people in this story, and it actually takes him to uh, a pen of pigs. And you have to know the culture back here, the pen, that pigs themselves, even if they were clean, they're dirty, okay? You don't touch them. And now this boy is feeding them and eating what he feeds them. And then here's the, here's the crazy thing in this story, and here's where I'm going to pick it up. Verse 17, it says, uh, when he came to himself. Guys, I, I think there's a few things that I want to encourage us to, we, we've got to come to our senses in some ways. And so as the, as the lead pastor in this house, um, as, as the lead papa, I hope. So I, I've kind of felt like an uncle. I'm starting to feel a little bit more like a dad for some of you. And, and some of you, like you feel like my dad. And so I, I'm just great being a son, an uncle, a brother, or whoever you need, all right? I just want to be me. But there's a few things as, as I carry the weight of, hey, where are we going? There's a few things that I want to encourage us that we must carry into our 12th year. It's right there on the verge, but we can't drop it as we go in. We, we've got to be carriers of this, and, and here's what it is. We must be carriers of hearts for prodigal's return. You hear this? I'm sniffling. Sorry. But we have to be carriers of hearts for prodigals to return home. Okay, so in verse 17, it says, when he came to himself, that's the prodigal, he said, how many of my father's hired servants had, have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? In other words, here's what he's saying, being a slave in my father's house would be better than this. Being a slave in my father's house would be better than this. And so many of us, our gospel presentations and the gospel that we receive stops right there. I want to be a slave in the kingdom. I want to be a slave. I don't want to be a son because I don't feel worthy to be a son. I want to be a slave. We feel more comfortable being slaves. When Moses leads the people out of Egypt, their outcry is, take us back. At least we had, you know, we could drink from the Nile. I want to be a slave. Take me back to slavery. And many of us, we want a Christianity where we get to stay slaves. It is so uncomfortable for us to stay sons. So verse, here's, here's what's happening. He comes to himself. He says, being a slave in my dad's house would be better than dying here. So he goes on to say, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. This is what he says. Now, guys, whether this is good theology coming out of the son or not is not the question. The reality is the, the boy, whether he knows what he's doing or not, is he's returning home. That's what's happening. The boy is returning home. His reason for returning home may not be the greatest, but if there's a son returning home, you receive him. If there's a daughter returning home, you receive her, then you, uh, then you correct their theology, but you take them back just like they are. 
You don't say, oh, why are you returning home? Write me up a doctrinal statement on your return. <laughs> this is not how the Father operates. This is how churches do. Oh, ow, doggone it, I had to say it. This is how, wait a second, all of our defenses go up. Like, oh, so-and-so's coming back after they left us for dead? <laughs> I've got some tests for you. Well, the Father doesn't have any tests. Do you know that doing church like this is so much messier? When you don't get a doctrinal statement on, on people's return, you just have to take them in their mess <laughs> that is a crazy way to do church. And one of our core values at Providence is imperfect people are welcome. That means re- prodigals are always welcome to come home here. Do you know that? And so what, what happens, though, is, is the messes that are made are not, there, there's, no, there's no barrier that says, hey, I want you to be clean first. I just believe that the church is to sinners like uh, an emergency room is, is, to, is to prodigals. Where you come home and you don't have to, you bring your mess. You don't clean yourself up first. How ridiculous would it be if doctors were turning away the sick? And the churches just need to be okay with false motives. A prodigals. Bad theology. And then correcting it like dads. When they get here. So we've got, what do we have to carry into our 12th year? We have to carry a heart that says, if a prodigal's coming home, I'm going to operate in the father's heart. And here's what the father does. It says, it says this. The father does this. And he arose and came to his father. Look at verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, so the boy's coming home, but he's not, he's not close. He's a long way off, but he's headed in the right direction. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And watch this. What follows? The father sees the boy coming home. The father sees the boy that says, I want money and wealth more than I want your life. I want to create my own life, and I don't like the one that you've created for me. When the father sees the son, he doesn't see pain. When, he, when the father sees the son, he doesn't, he doesn't see offense. When the father sees the son, he doesn't uh, scream to one of his servants and say, go get my biggest spanker. I'm going to teach this little know-it-all lesson. And he doesn't start stretching. Ha! <laughs> Hold him down, all right? Watch this, all right? He's not like, why? He's not, he, there's, listen, guys, there is nothing like that in the Father's heart. There's nothing like that in the Father's heart. While he was still a long way off, his Father saw him, and here's what rises in the Father's heart when you return to his home. Compassion. Compassion. And his compassion spurred him to action. And so he sees the boy coming home. He's not feeling ripped off. He's, he's feeling compassion. It's love in action. And he's running to his son. Now, running to the son is breaking all of the societal rules. If you're a dad, you don't run. Your clothes aren't even made to do that. You can't run. because you're, So you've got to hike up stuff and show leg, which is another rule that you don't break back in this day. The father's like, he's streaking to his boy. <laughs> I don't care who sees this. My son's coming home. Listen, listen, I believe there's people here, you can't receive what I'm saying but because you've only known religion, and God's just saying to you this morning, come home and try me out. Come home and find that I'm not, I'm not gonna meet you 
As a judge, I'm going to meet you as a father. And so the, the, the boy is coming home, the father's running to him, and as he finds him, he doesn't spank him, he embraces him, knocks him to the ground, and kisses him. Actually, the ESV doesn't say he knocks him to the ground, I don't know where I got that, that is in my mind's eye. He's running, he doesn't suddenly just stop like this, he's, he tackles him like a, a linebacker, and he's just kissing him on the ground, that's how I see it. Dad, and the son's like, Dad, get off. I'm not worthy to be your son. I want to be a servant. I feel like, I feel like, and he, and he can't get him off. It's like, it's like, it's like oh, Dad, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm 20. Get off of me. Get off of me. And the dad's like, I can't. I can't. I'm glad you're home. Oh. It's like, I think the best picture of this is, have you ever walked into a room, a room of puppies and you get on the ground and they begin to lick you and you begin to rub your face in them and you don't care where? Uh, you're just like, oh, wow, this, I'm, just, I'm kissing, I'm kissing. This is so sweet. This is so good. And so the father's here. He's, he's, he's lost his mind in the best possible way because the son's coming home. There's not judgment in his heart. It's only love. And he knocks him to the ground, and the son gives a speech. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then the father corrects his bad theology and says, it's not about your worth. It's about my heart. And you are still my son. You're still my son. You didn't stop being my son even though you wanted me dead. You didn't stop being my son even though you squandered my wealth on riotous, insane living. You were always my son because you're mine. Now that's some good theology. And we've got to have a heart, uh, we've got to have a heart that sees people. If, if, they're, if they're coming in God's direction, we don't first give up on them. We don't first judge them. We don't first accuse them. We don't first ask for anything out of them except come home to the Father's heart. He wants to kiss on you really good. Some of us, we've never encountered God. We've never felt like we heard a great testimony last night from John Mark Pantana. It's a testimony that breaks the spirit of religion in a billion pieces because he grew, up, he grew up very religious. He went to Liberty University, yet he was an atheist, and his heart didn't break in reception of the gospel until he literally felt God tackle him with love and kiss him on the ground. So many of us, our, we have an intellectual knowledge of this, but we have no clue why people would, would dance and cry and lay and sing about this. The father's not offended at your return. He's not, he's not going to just say, okay, you can hang here for a little while, but you've got to be a slave. He says, I'm happy you're found. I'm happy you're home. I got an email from a guy named Matt. I'm excited to tell you more about him. Uh, he gave me permission to share this, but he's just sharing his story this, this week about how he came to the end of himself, lost everything, like a, like a Job experience, family gone, job gone, business gone, house gone, everything gone. And that's where Jesus met him. I, I think that this year is going to be full of those kinds of stories. And I, I, I beg God that we would never lose this. I beg God that we would never lose the kind of heart that says, no matter how messy your past is, there's a love and a grace and, and an acceptance in the Father's heart for you that is bigger than that, can take your mess and make it something amazing. This is how it is. Here's something else we need to carry into, and I'm not going to elaborate on this one. I'm just going to say it, and we'll, te we'll teach on it more. But we need to carry into our 12th year an increasing culture of family. Do you know that? Do you know that I'm not the CEO here? I don't want to be the CEO. The day they make me the CEO, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. I'm serious about that. I'm not, I, I don't want to run a business. I want to lead a family. Do you know that? 
I do not want to run a business. Not that there, and I know we can argue about this all day long. Well, there's business practices. Those business practices actually come from the heart of God. But what happens is we take those business practices and we remove God from them, and then they start ruling, all right? And the, the bottom line at Providence uh, is, is not numbers, okay? God's going to provide whether you give or not. Do you know that? You should give. You should give, but God's going to uh, provide whether you give or not. We're not going to beg you to do that. We're going to encourage you to, and we're going to start teaching on it because it's going to bring blessings for you. But God's got us. If we're his family and we're not a business for him, listen, God's got us, okay? And so an increasing culture of family. Do you see this? While he was still a long way off, verse 20, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and, ki- and kissed us. Uh, m- m- like I said before, much of our gospel understanding is, is God is judge, Jesus is defendant, uh, the enemy is, is the accuser, and it feels legal and it feels cold. It doesn't feel like family at all. It, it feels like I just went to the bank, all right, and I talked to somebody with a bad day. I got what I needed, but I, I tell you what, like, yeah, I need soul care counseling after that. The, but the context of the gospel is family. The context of the gospel is family. God doesn't say, re- receive the judge as your Lord and Savior. That Jesus taught us to call, to call God dad. Jesus taught us to call Dad, Father. He's, Jesus is setting up a kingdom framework where we're a part of a family. We're not a, a part of a, of a, you know, what do you call like a booming business on a, like a Fortune 500 deal. We're, we're not a Fortune 500 anything. Like, like our, our treasure is Jesus. He's our fortune. So d- can you hear this just for a second? We easily d- divorce each other when we're bothered. That's how you do in business. I got a better offer over there. See ya. Hasta la vista. <laughs> You'd understand. God would get paid more right down the street. And we, get, we, we do church like that. And I think that God's doing something in our day where he's saying, you can maybe get a better deal at another place, but how about not divorcing? How about pressing in? Um, do you know that, that Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says, here's how God describes himself. Father of the fatherless. Protector of widows. Is God in his holy habitation. Whew. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out prisoners to prosperity. This is how the kingdom works, my friends. And I, I don't want you to be nervous. There's nothing in us about you know, building a facility that says, oh man, now we hit the big time. We're mega church. We're seeker sensitive. We're all these things. That is not in us whatsoever. You don't need to accuse us. You don't need to worry about that. Pray for us all the time. But we, we really, really believe that we're building a house. We're not insulating you from the world. We're going to train you up and launch you out in it. We're going to equip you and send you. We're not going to make you comfortable. We're going to get on your case, and we're going to call things out of you you never knew existed, and we're going to host the presence. This is what we're doing. Psalm 2710, for my father and mother have forsaken me. Some of you, you hate the thought. It's a better thought for you to think of church as business than it is as family because you don't even know what family looks like. You, you hate your dad. You, you have no clue where your mom is. You, you're, I heard a story this week of, of a kid whose parents sold his toys for drugs and killed his pets in anger. And some of you, you're coming from homes like that, and you're like, I don't want any of this family talk. The father is dad. That's not safe. I want to be a servant. I don't want to be a daughter. 
And God is just, that God's just changing that. That's not how, it doesn't matter how you want it. You need to be healed into kingdom living. And God's doing that. We're carrying that into, into 12, and we're growing in that in our 12th year. And then there's this last thing. This, one of the things that we have to carry in is we have to carry this, this strong resistance to the older brother syndrome. This older brother spirit. This is such a tricky one, guys. Because the older brother, it seems when you read it, rationally he has some points. Dad, the son came home, you throw a party? He wanted you dead, and he... He wasted all that you've stewarded. Why are you killing the fattened calf? Why are you putting your ring on his finger, your robe on his back, your shoes on his feet? This, this makes no sense. And what actually happens is he, is he becomes angry. Do you know that? Do you know that? Look at verse 25. The older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. If you get ticked off at music and dancing, I'd press into that. If you start judging people's motives that are up here twirling and doing, doing the worm, I think I saw someone doing the worm today. Was that, was that you're like, oh, <laughs> this, is not, this is not what you do in church? <laughs> really? Maybe what you don't do as church is what we've been doing all along. Maybe God's bringing us into a new reality where it's okay to bust an emotional cork for the best news we've ever heard. I'm just saying, if you have a cork. But verse 26, and he called one of the servants and asked him uh, what these things meant. Verse 27, he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. Uh, Verse 28, this is not good news to the older brother. Uh, Verse 28, uh, but he was angry. Okay. I can kind of see that when I think with my head. But the kingdom that the Father operates in is upside down. It's upside down. You think about what you would do and then you reverse that and now you're going in the right direction. This is, this is not a kingdom where the king is looking out for himself and he's trying to, he's trying to you know, you play, play Tetris and chess to get his own power. No one can dethrone this king. So, but he was angry, and one of my, here's one of my big concerns, is that, and here's one of the things that identifies an older brother syndrome, an older brother spirit, is when you begin to justify your anger at the church. When you begin to justify your anger at a sister. When you begin to justify your anger at another person. When you begin to justify your anger at a ministry or an organization or a town. I've done it to Hanover. Just, yeah, Hanover stinks, it's stupid. And we all know that, but that's just not how the Father thinks. It's not how the Father is. So when you're justifying your anger, instead of releasing your anger and inviting the love of the Father to take up every place where that anger was, when you can't do that, we've got problems. And God's been showing me that I've preached in too much anger. I'm just being honest with you because you hear me and you listen to the podcast and you know like, ooh, he said that. I say, yeah, I did. You know what? I'm I'm a guy that is still learning how to be a son and is still learning how to be a man and I don't have it all together. Um, I saw my, my neighbor here, and I, I know the first thing I saw when I thought when I saw him was, man, he's going to see me preach, and he's probably heard me yell at my wife, <laughs> my kids. He's probably seen me spank the neighbor's dog, all right? <laughs> yeah. 
But here's the thing, is this is a grace place. This is a, just a, a grace place. And so we don't put the people that are, that are the best and the holiness up front. Sometimes we watch the weirdest ones. And we just, just watch them, how they, how they, like when God's hand of anointing is on someone, it's not that they don't fall, it's just that they get back up. And they just keep going. And so we have to stop justifying anger. We have to start, if there's anything in us that cannot celebrate a prodigal's return, our heart uh, is not full of the uh, compassion like the father's. There's, there's frustration, there's bitterness. I, I want you to hear this, guys, that the older brother gets angry and the father's filled with compassion. Which one do you want to be? The older brother gets angry, the father's filled with compassion. Whose money was it? The father's. Who's getting angry? The older brother. Come on. It's not your money. Why are you concerned about it? It's not even yours. What, what is your deal here? The deal is that you've got a syndrome, my friends. The deal is that you've got a spirit that's not, that's not holy. And when you, when you live by anger instead of love, it's showing that you're in the wrong kingdom. And I think that God wants to, God wants to have, have us go into our 12th year where we're genuinely unangry at others we're just loving them into obedience. We're just loving them into the family. There, there's more kisses than blows. There's, there's more helping up when you're down, not kicking you while you have the chance. This is honestly, when the world looks at the church, the, the world sees people that you, you, you kick them, don't go there, they're, they're abusive. And that's not completely wrong. Do you know this, listen to this. On my son's 12th birthday, today's our on my son's 12th birthday, um, I, I, I took him and his uncle Aaron to a, uh, I sprung, guys, I sprung. D don't judge me here, okay? Two more minutes, you got me, all right? Uh, but I sprung for this. I got, I got really good uh, seats to the Bucks-Wizards game last year, all right? I drove down to D.C., walked into Capitol Arena or whatever that's called. We got there on time, we sat down. The reason I did that is because I love my son and I'm willing to break the bank and I'm willing to steal from my in-laws if I have to, I'm telling you that. I'll, I'll, I'll steal them, hey, is that a deer? Like, wow, wow, it's for my boy, so yes. And so I didn't do that, but I did, spr I, I sprung for it in faith because I want to show my son that, man, I'm madly in love. So I, I took my son to see the Bucks. Because, because there's a player on the, on the Milwaukee Bucks named Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's six foot 11, just a beast. Um, he looks a lot like myself. <laughs> and he was there, he's my son's, Giannis is all over my son's room. Uh, he's kind of like the star uh, in my son's life. And, and he's, he's great, he's from Greece. He's six foot 11, guys, come on, right? And so we went down there, and we're, we're just so, we're not, don't, not really into the Bucks, not really into the Wizards. We're just into to Giannis. I'm into my son. I'm, like, super excited. Well, long story short, Giannis had a sore quad, guys. Can we, can we feel sad for Giannis? He's only making $18 billion, uh, you know, but he's got himself a sore little quaddy wad, all right? And he decides that he's not going to go on the floor. He's going to sit on the bench. And when my son found that out, I just remember, this is like, if, if you want a tattoo, here's a tattoo. I've got a tattoo on my soul. It's my son's face turning to me and me turning to him and seeing the disappointment. 
And I'm trying to be happy. Well, at least we're still here. Look, there's Giannis right there. You don't get to see him play. The, the things that dads dream up. Oh, yeah, that, that'll really work. Ethan was a great sport. He says, oh, that's fine, Dad. Uh, you know, and we still watched, and the Bucks lost. And, you know, we, we got to see Giannis walk into the tunnel. Um, but when we were driving in, I saw this burger joint. Um, that is, and I forget what it's called, but it's, it's, it, there's nothing like that out here in the Hanover area, Spring Grove area, York area. It's an awesome burger joint. You can just get in, in cities. And so I said, you know, Ethan, I'm going to make this up to you. I'm going to take you to that burger joint because, I don't know, in Herndon's food seems to heal things, you know, <laughs> on the soul level, you know. So, and uh, so, I, so we walk in here. We beat the crowd. We will go down to the burger joint. Uh, the crowd's coming. We have to order fast. I ended up ordering. I, I love, when I go to Five Guys, I, I, like, I like a double, then I like mushrooms on that double, you know what I'm saying? Can I get a witness? Anybody? Come on, don't leave me hanging, okay? Then you put a little ketchup mustard on that thing, cheese, smash. I want it smashed, all right? So that's how I like it. Um, but I ordered, I saw the, the shroom burger. I said, give me that shroom burger. Well, it, it turns out that the shroom burger didn't have meat on it. It, it was literally the top of a portobello mushroom. <laughs> what, did, did, uh, did, did demons get in this restaurant or something? Like, you, yeah, like, you got to wait, like, I wanted to wave that little flimsy, little nasty thing around. Like, what is, you're tricking me with this? This is what $17 gets you in, you know, in, in D.C.? Really? It's like, yeah, come here, puppy. Come here, boy. You know, I, I just wanted to, I, I like, what? And Ethan looks at me, and he says, hey, Dad, Giannis didn't play, and you didn't get any meat. Man, what a great night, you know? <laughs> you, you've uh, you, you've kind of got a point. And you know what, like, I, I, I'm not, uh, this was last year, I'm in a little bit healthier place now, wasn't in the most healthy place then. And you know what started to grab my heart back then? Um, was not a heart of like, well, God, you know, we're blessed. We're blessed. Who in the world can get good seats at the Bucks game? Who, who, can, who can afford that? Well, I can. Wow, God, I'm so blessed. Who's got a son that's like, he's like a, a, head, and sh- a head above the rest, literally. Who's got a son with a heart like his? Well, I do. Wow, God. I wasn't thinking thoughts like this. I was thinking thoughts like, hey, God, like I really went out on a limb here and I paid money for this and I've just lost it. I, don't, I can't believe that I, you wouldn't give me the desires of my heart when I go to see. The, the, Giannis didn't miss another game all season. Why are you playing games with me, Jesus? And I started, what happened is this root of anger and frustration and disappointment and bitterness started to creep into me, and then I justified it, so that's when it becomes a syndrome or a spirit. Instead of taking that thought captive and say, no way, no way, we've still got Jesus, and he's way better than Giannis, and I'm going to be to my son a treasure of Jesus instead of a treasure of things working out. So... Friends, some of you have justified anger in your heart at God, and he's disappointed you in some ways. He hasn't done what you thought. He's welcomed somebody back that you don't like. He's, he's made a decision where someone's getting celebrated that you just think it's, it's ridiculous. He's let you down in some kind of way, and what you've done is you've justified that anger instead of releasing that anger, and that's what's holding you back. You hear this? You hear this? The person that could justify his anger would have been the father, and the father didn't. The father ran. The person that couldn't justify his anger is the older son, and the son is outside the party. 
And here, if he would have said, you know, Dad, I trust you. I trust you. I don't, I don't know why you're celebrating, but if you're asking me in, I'll go in with you. He, he wouldn't even call. He calls his younger brother, this son of yours. And the father fixes this in verse 32. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother. He's not a son of mine. He's your brother. It's your family. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. If someone's getting found in the father's house, the father's stoked, stoked. So some of you this morning, you need to be found. You, you want to be a slave. You want to be a servant. You don't want to be a son. You don't want to be a daughter. You, you want to keep God at, our, at arm's distance. The thought of, of the Father tackling you and kissing you is, is like hell to you instead of heaven. It's, it's, you, you've got, you've got a, a spirit about you, a spirit in you, a spirit on you, a syndrome around you where you don't get kingdom yet. And I want to encourage you this morning that the kingdom is yours if you would have it. You didn't earn it you receive it. You hear this? Who here, can you close your eyes for a second? Who here just honestly needs this? Who here will operate in the courage of the younger son that says, I'm coming home and I'm going to face dad and I'm going to trust my destiny into his hands? Who here needs this and actually needs to come home to the father this morning? Is there anybody? You need to come home to, to the house. You need to be saved. You need to get in the kingdom. Anybody like that this morning? I'm not going to make you stand in front of everybody. I just, I, just father daddy wants to see you. Just Father God wants to see you this morning. Anybody like that? No? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah, there's, there's some. There's plenty. Now, how many of us here uh, this morning are like, I've been harboring anger. I've been trying to make it look like I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. But I, I'm, I'm literally angry, and it's bondage, and I can't celebrate. Anybody like that? Hands? Anybody? Yeah? Anybody? You've got a situation. Someone's wronged you. Someone's cheated you. Someone's ripped you off. More hands? Anybody? Okay, so let's all stand to our feet right now. And so, Heavenly Father, as we, as we stand to our feet, we release all of our baggage from the past, all of the abuse, all of the things that are unjust, everything from the past, and we, we stand and step into your love. And some of us, as we stand, we're stepping into a new kingdom where we're trusting the Father, not ourselves, and we're coming to him, not to be a slave, but to be a son, not to, to be a servant, but to be a daughter. So God, I just pray that you would have your way with these people. Bless, bless, bless. Let them shake off every lie that is not of you, that you are not first and foremost a judge. You are first and foremost a father that loves, and your love pursues through eternity itself. So touch people this day, God. Touch people this day. Fill them, fill them, and bless them. God, I pray that in somebody's heart right now, you're, you are giving them a, the gift of courage to be prayed for and to step into a new kingdom. God, we bless you for that. We welcome that and we say more of that. Amen. Can somebody shout amen this morning? Right. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.